Heart and Harvest Church, let's stand up. Well, if you're pouting today, there's something wrong with you. Who won? <laughs> Did you watch? How many watched volleyball? Who really cares about football? <laughs> the brother-in-law. So there's a lot of happy Nebraskans. Amen. But I'm glad that we're here today to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our Lord and Savior. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. And we're so careful to, to invite you, Holy Spirit, in this place today. You know the needs of every individual here. And Father, You're the God that meets needs, spirit, soul, body, financially. And so Father, we thank You for Your presence. We thank You for the liberty to worship Your Son Jesus this day. Lift Him up, our Lord and Savior and our King. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.
calm and sing and answer in to the presence of the King. I surrender my heart, give everything. I answer in to the presence of the King. With my hands lifted up, with my hands lifted up, He's my offering as I answer in the presence of the King. Sing this together.
Jesus we worship you we honor your presence this morning Holy Spirit now we've been on a series for a number of months on the anointing and the anointing is here this morning the anointing's here every Sunday but I'm going to do something a little bit different usually at, at the end of uh, ministering a message we pray for the sick but I'm going to pray now I want you to come Kathy so if you need prayer for your physical body, I know there's, there's two people very, very sick right now. And I'm going to have... Get me a mic, would you, please? I can't give you all the details, but first give a, a little bit of a synopsis on your niece. He's, he's getting it. There you go. Okay, my niece is Hannah. She lives in Lincoln, and she's a school teacher. Uh, she had to have a abdominal surgery of a teratoma cyst in her abdomen, and it was removed in August. She went back to school for three weeks, and it was perfectly fine, and her antibodies attacked her brain. It's an acute autoimmune condition. She did treatments and spent 11 days in the hospital, went back to work for three weeks, and then her symptoms returned, where she can't walk, she's got tremors, and vision, vision issues. She's back in the hospital and went straight into treatments, which are helping. And then she will go into second level of treatments for three weeks that should prevent the recurrence, but they're not sure. She's on steroids and IVG treatments, and in three weeks she'll be on the RITUXIMAB. It's used for cancer, but they use it for inflammation of the brain as well. She's going to be doing, uh, probably getting out Monday, but going into a boot camp for rehab. So, 26 years old. 28. 28. Now give a little bit She's not married. about the other gal, real short. And the other one is Tina Colson. She works at the Y. She has Crohn's disease, and uh, she's thinking about having her colon removed but I'm praying for healing so she doesn't have to have that okay, okay. so you stand she's standing um, for them this morning amen so let's get an agreement father in the name of Jesus 
for Hannah, we pray. We curse any disease or sickness that would attack her body, her brain, her organs in the name of Jesus. You're a miracle-working God, and we're asking you, Lord God, this day by your Spirit to send healing, Lord, for you sent your word to heal and deliver Hannah now. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, wherever she's at right now, you come upon her and minister to her. Life, health, strength, quicken her body with resurrection power in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. Now we pray for Tina. We pray, Lord God, you have redeemed her from the curse of the law. Crohn's is a curse of the law. And Lord, we're speaking to every organ and system in her body and commanded to function. We're asking you, Lord God, for a miracle for her also. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father. We take authority over fear. In the name of Jesus, we bind it up and loose peace upon Hannah and Tina this day. In Jesus' name, amen. I want Nate and Pastor Mike to come. Would you come? And you, Bev, too. Let's just surround. I just know the Spirit of God's here this morning, and He wants to do a work. What's your first name, sweetie? Zeal? Father, in the name of Jesus, we loose healing anointing upon Zeal right now. In the name of Jesus, we bind the works of the enemy in Jesus' name. Jesus, you came to heal and deliver. So thank you, Father, for your anointing to flood her body and drive out all infirmity and sickness this day because of the blood, the precious blood of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. She shall run and not be weary, and she shall walk and not faint in the days ahead. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Your love, sweetie. You're precious. Amen. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Father, we take authority over all inflammation. In the name of Jesus, we speak to her body. We thank you, Lord. You said we could lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. So, Lord, we loose that healing anointing today upon Pat from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Inflammation, go in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. Sickness and disease is a bondage. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want my sister to come. Carol Ann. Amen. Just receive the anointing today. Lord, we loose the anointing upon her. 
spirit, soul, and body. Oh, Jesus, God of all mercy and grace, flood her body this day. In the name above all names. <laughs> That's the anointing, sister. This my sister. That's right. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father. Healing God, miracle working God for her. Because she's your child and healing is the children's bread. And healing is in the name of Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just let the anointing work. Amen. Thank you, Father. Strength. Peace. that's the anointing that's what we need that's what does it amen and there's no charge it's free whom Jesus sets free is free indeed amen amen you help back would you there's just a precious you can be seated there's just a real precious anointing and that's what we want amen Amen, 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 Kathy. reverse today. We're going to receive the offering. I'm going to teach a little on finances. We'll receive the offering and then while we're doing that, I'll give the announcements. God is interested in every area of our life. Spirit, soul, body, finances. I don't have time to read it, but if you would read this week sometime in John chapter 15 and 17, it talks about we are in the world, but if Christ is in us, we are not of the world. As Christians, there's a physical or a natural side to our lives, and then there's the spiritual side. So very simply, everything you do, there is a spiritual element and a natural practical element. James in the New Testament and Nehemiah in the Old Testament and the book of Proverbs are all the very practical books. They are doers. And people, a lot of times make the mistake of they either try to be so spiritual about everything 
or they're just totally in the natural. And what it is, you've got to, as Christians, we've got to combine the two. We've got to take the spiritual element and apply it to the natural element. And people overlook that or forget that. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says it's faith that pleases God. Without faith, we cannot please God. That's the spiritual side. But in James 2.26, he says faith without works is dead. That's the practical side. So the next few weeks, I'm going to go through and give you some, talk about some practical things concerning godly prosperity. I like the practical. If you can't put your teeth in it and, and pull it from here to our natural lives, what good is it? So we're going to talk about that. So number one thing is we should never make our financial decisions based on our ego or our emotion. They need to be, God gives us his word. He gives us his wisdom if we ask for it. That's in James also. And he says that we have the mind of Christ. Now, he just never does things just to do them. There's a purpose for him giving us those things. So we need to apply those things. So then the number two thing, and I talked ahead on it just a little last week, is storehouses. And I've been giving you some scriptures about storehouses, about prosperity abundance. And there are multiple examples through the scripture, if you take your time and read it, of about God storing up. He's always got stuff stored up in heaven for us. He's a, he's a stasher, okay? But he's a generous. He does it for a purpose. In Malachi 3.10, it says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Now, if you read that, that storehouse singular. So your tithe should come into the one main place where you are being fed, storehouse singular and that's the spiritual side so that's the spiritual storehouse for believers but in deuteronomy 28 8 this is what i read last week it says the lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses plural and that is speaking specifically of storehouses in the natural that means you should have savings accounts you should have investments you should have even a home food storage. Whatever it is, he cannot bless you in the storehouse if you don't have one. That's really simple and that's really basic, but people miss that. So if you want God to bless you in your storehouses, have some. I believe that the best place to start by establishing a storehouse, and this is very fundamental also, is an emergency fund. And Dave Ramsey talks about it probably the best. But, you know, we would go through, when we were first starting, we, we just didn't have anything, and we'd have something, we'd need a tire or something, and, and we were just scrounging, and we were using all of our effort uh, to use our faith for that one thing. But if you establish an emergency account, it takes care of it, or it helps take care of it. So he says, Dave Ramsey says, start by getting an emergency account built up to $1,000, and then eventually save enough to cover three to six months of expenses. So what you do is you take a little and you stash it away every paycheck, or you sell some stuff online, 
or you scrap some iron, you find some way in the natural to put your faith to work and do that and get an emergency fund saved up. And then you don't have to use all of your faith for that. You can use it on some other things. So for years, this church has sown finances very consistently. That's just something we always did abundantly to other ministries, to missionaries, to the ministers that come. We'd always try to bless them. And that is investing in a spiritual storehouse. But we also had an emergency fund in the natural. We had enough saved up in 2019 for about four months of our normal expenses. So when the flood came, voila. We not only had money saved in the natural, but spiritually, finances started coming in on every wave. If you were here, we never asked for anything, and we just started getting checks in the mail. Orphan grain train shows up, gives us $10,000, and it, we, we had at least $250,000 of renovation paid for by January. Because we had storehouses in the spiritual and in the natural. And that's what we need. You can do that in your life. And it talks about that. You can go through, go through Proverbs and it talks a lot about and deals with your finances. So I would encourage you, Dave Ramsey says that's baby step one. And I agree. What he teaches is so practical, but it lines up with the word of God. So establish emergency fund. Let me read you these two scriptures. So spiritually think, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. That's the one area God says you can put him to the test. If I will not open the windows of heaven because he's got storehouses and he will pour out of those windows from those storehouses into your life if you have storehouses. And then Deuteronomy 28.8 says, The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all which you set your hand to do, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So I just encourage you to do that. Since they've already received the offering, they forgot mine, but we'll get that. Anyway, so quick announcements. Tuesday. At 6 o'clock, Patriots United is showing the movie Nefarious again. If you want to understand and see how spiritual things really work, come and see that. It's about, what, an hour and a half, two hours long? So that starts at 6. Everyone is welcome for that. Wednesday night at 7 is our midweek service. And then I want a couple other things. So Rick Renner did this book on Christmas. And I mean it goes through and explains Mary's background, Joseph's background, Bethlehem, the whole thing. And I would encourage every family should have one of these. But I have a, I'm going to order them this week. Retail, they're 45. We can get them for 22, and they are well worth it. They'd make a great gift for someone. So there's a sign-up sheet on, in the lobby. If you want one of those, you've got to do it today because I'm going to order them this week. So I would encourage you to do that, and you can just pay for them when they get here. Um, speaking of sowing, we have always sown consistently to Jeff Rogers' ministry and Mike Keys. Keys is in 
the Philippines. Jeff Rogers is in Africa. Jeff Rogers has not been here for several years. He was going to come in November, but he's ha he has to have a surgery or something, so we've put it off. He will be here January 28th. And that's a good place to have a storehouse of money saved up to bless him. We want to bless him. Also, earlier in the year, we sewed into Stephen Retode, and there's a thank you note on the bulletin board back there. They went through a lot of things with their passport, but they will be leaving the first part. He and his son will be leaving for Africa the first part of December. So you, he sent a thank you for that. And then one other thing is... Caleb and Kaylee have always had on their heart to go on mission trips, missions. And so when John Tash was here, we were talking to him, and they would like to lead missions trips. And so John said if they would come to Buffalo to that outreach there, that he would pour into their lives and, and show them all the ropes of how to do that. So the first week of December, they are going to go to Buffalo and do that inner city missions trip and work with John Tash and then in the future what we want to do is have missions teams go out on these short missions and so we will be getting that lined up so if you're interested in helping with that uh, the next month or so you could just put on your offering envelope Buffalo or whatever so I would encourage that we thank you for your giving you are sowing into a spiritual storehouse, so believe that God will pour out to you in your natural storehouse. My wife's a stasher. <laughs> I don't know where all the money's at, but she does. When I need it, I just go to her. Um, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing, because God is has is blessed Kathy and I through the years and we've always I've always um, there goes a box elder bug on the bath <laughs> um, I've always been a giver the gardeners have always been givers and uh, Jeff Rogers is coming this is going to be there's something special and so I just told the Lord, you know, if He blesses me, I'm going to take some of that blessing and, so, and store it up in a storehouse. And I've started a storehouse for Jeff Rogers. And I'm making money, honey. And you know why? Because the intent of my heart is to bless Apostle Jeff. And you're going to see more. Some of you, we'll show you a little more about his ministry and what he's done. He's dug wells in Africa. He's established a school, a hospital. He is the most humble man of God. He's an apostle. He's a sent one. And I believe his two boys will, will be with him. And, and uh, in fact, um, Rich and Julie are going to fly down and, and get him. And then, so he'll have that, be able to do that. And, and uh, that'll help. But I want you to take this to heart and listen to your leadership. Start a storehouse now. You get tips at work, Bea? I'm a good tipper, aren't I? Take, oh, come on.
Take an envelope, B, and take a portion of your tips, just a portion, and start setting aside. Now, you don't have to do that, but these are little things you can do. And, you know, I have a figure in mind, and I'm not even going to tell you, because you'd fall off the chair. But let's, let's really work at doing this. And, and, and ask God, He gives you the ability to gain wealth. Yes, He wants you to prosper, but use that wealth to bless others. Amen. Let's put, put up our purpose, please. We're going to, we've been on the subject of the anointing, and, and uh, we're going to kind of veer off that, but it has to do with, with um, what I'm going to share about. We're going to talk about the army of God. See, you didn't realize this, but you're in an army. Most believers don't know that. But you're in an army. You're in a fight. We're in a battle. Turn the news on and listen. And then turn it off. But we're in a battle. And it's not just a a natural battle, but it's a spiritual battle. So this is what we're going to address in the days ahead. Number one, God's role in warfare. Number two, the purpose of fire. Number three, we're um, talk about the promises that he gives in war. Specific commands regarding warfare. What the believer wars against. You've got to know who your, your enemy is. It's too many Christians, it's friendly fire. <laughs> and it shouldn't be that way. Then we're going to talk about Old Testament versus New Testament, believer's weaponry, and a, a good soldier's characteristics. Now put that spiritual truth up, please. And I, this is the book that I've been working and reading for, for months. And she makes this comment. I'm going to read it to you. There's an army of believers being gathered and equipped in these days who will be skilled in all the weapons of spiritual warfare. They will be those who have understanding of the times and insight into the ways of God concerning kingdom conquest. Now listen, their discernment in spiritual things, say spiritual things, and submission to the leading of the Spirit will give great advantage over previous generations of warriors, both in the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. They view the kingdom of God not as a term of an idea to be debated, but as the powerful reign of Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. See, there's two key words in here. Discernment and submission. Say it. Discernment. In submission. Most Christians aren't very discerning. And I'll tell you what, there's not too many that are submitted. There's some. But the remnant in this last hour better be submitted to God. Amen. Okay. Now, I want to go on and we're going to, uh, I want you to look at Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to talk about Warfare, battles, and this is addressed in Hebrews chapter 11. All the great men and women of God who overcame, who fought great battles and won. But I want to pick it up here in verse 30. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. 
By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down and they were encircled for, after being encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she'd received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, also David and Samuel and, and the prophets who through faith, say faith, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in what? Valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, and women received their dead, raised to life again. Now I'm going to ask you a question. What do Gideon, Barak, Samson... Jephthah and David all have in common. Do you want me to tell you? They were men and women of faith and men and women of war. Say, men and women of faith and of war. This passage of Scripture reveals the fact, now listen, that our faith can be and must be used in time of war. Not just for finances. Not just for healing. But for war. I bet you never thought about it that way. Faith can be used in two ways during a time of war. Number one, protection from harm in battle. Protection from harm in battle. You don't need to turn there. I'll read it to you in Psalm 91, verse 7. You know the verse. A thousand shall fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. How many of you use your faith for protection? You better start using your faith in these days. I just found out they found a body in a chimney here in Norfolk. Did you hear that? Hear that story? wonder how that got there. There's a lot going on in the town we don't know about. That's why we need to pray. So protection from harm, you use your faith for that. Then number two, faith is used to defeat the enemy. You go through the Bible, Old Testament especially, and see how God specifically gave David instructions on how to defeat the enemy. Faith is used to defeat the enemy. And it tells us here, who through faith subdued kingdoms... Subdue means to crush underfoot. God not only gave His people strength to fight, but listen, and this is important, God fought with Him. And our God is fighting for us now. And I don't like what's going on in Israel and all, all around the world, but I want you to know, if God be for us, who can be against us? And God is for His people. And you can go through the Bible and see how God miraculously delivered the nation of Israel. Did He not? You know, there's all kinds of, of interesting stories about that. Now I want you to look at Numbers 32. Numbers 32. How many of you know, many pacifists have said, and they quote, you know, thou shalt not what? Kill. And so they say, oh, I can't go to war because I can't kill. But if you look kill up in the Hebrew, it means to murder. It should be, thou shalt not murder. So, 
you know, <laughs> you got to know the Word of God. Because people will take something and run with it, and they're deceived. They're misinformed. They don't understand Scripture. So let's, let's read um, in Numbers 32 and verse, let's look at verse 6. Now, they're just getting ready to cross the Jordan. But there's a couple of tribes, Reuben and Gad, and guess what? They didn't want to cross the Jordan. They wanted to stay on the other side of the Jordan because there's plenty of grass for their livestock. Well, they had a commandment. They were to what? Cross the Jordan. Let's pick up and see what it says. And Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now, why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over to the land which the Lord has given them? Thus your fathers did when I sent them away from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel so that they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. So the Lord ang Lord's anger was aroused on that day, and he swore an oath, saying, Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt from twenty years old and above shall see the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me except Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kenzanite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly have not, or for they have wholly followed the Lord. So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, I want you to see God's role this morning in battle and in warfare. And which what we need to understand and realize that these two tribes caused discouragement with the other tribes because they didn't fight with them. They were ordered to do that. And because of that, you can be discouraged. Okay, that's, that's one thing. And then we saw God becomes angry with those who refuse to fight. God becomes angry with those who refuse to fight with their brothers and sisters to defend their nation. How do you think God now, in this hour, feels about His church? <laughs> How do you think He feels? Do you think He's proud of us? I think he's proud of the remnant. This is a remnant church, by the way. Say, I go to a remnant church. Yeah. We're not like a lot of the rest of the body of Christ who don't want to fight. They don't care. They just soon go to church once a week, you know, eat their little spiritual meal, then go home and not live the life of a believer the rest of the week, and then do it all over again. We have been ordained as a people to fight the good fight of faith. And sad to say, many Christians today, they don't even understand and realize they're in a battle. And they don't even know how to use their spiritual weaponry. they got no amen on that, but it's the truth. So you can see how God, through the Scripture here, how God feels about this. Now, look at verse 20. If you're in 32, look at verse 20. 
It says, Then Moses said to them, If you do this thing, if you arm yourself before the Lord of war, and all your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he's driven out his enemies from before them, and the land is subdued before the Lord, then afterward, he's telling these two tribes, you may return and be blameless before the Lord and before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. Now listen to verse 23. But if you do not do so, then take note, you have sinned against the Lord. Let that sink in. You have what? Sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Build cities for your little ones, folds for your sheep, and do what is proceeded out of your mouth. So, it brings discouragement to God's people when they do not fight a God-ordained battle. God becomes angry. And number three, it's a sin. It's a sin right now if you're not entering in and praying for the nation of Israel. It's a sin right now if you're not spending time with God and, and praying and, and knowing how to use the Word of God. The Word is a sword. But you can be like those other two tribes. Thank God they went. And they were blessed. They were obedient. But how many Christians today are sitting on their backside and not doing anything? Just because you go to church and you're a member of a church or a denomination doesn't mean you're engaged in battle. You're religious. And religion does not set people free. Personal relationship with Christ, using the sword of the Spirit, declaring and decreeing, praying, believing, being aggressive spiritually, that's what makes the difference. Now, look at Psalm 18. Then I'm, I'm going to skip a little bit and go to the end. I saved the best for the end here. Psalm 18. Look at your neighbor and say, you're in a battle. You better know how to use your weapons. You better get off your backside. Psalm 18. Look at verse 31. For who is God except the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on my high places. Verse 34, He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Look at Psalm 144. Psalm 144, way at the end. Psalm 144 and verse 1. Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Amen? Now, I'm going to go on. I'm going to, I'm going to read this to you and I'm, I'm going to skip part of my message. And uh, we'll pick up next week. But I want this is this is really important. And uh, how many of you know who Mike Keys is? Apostle Mike's been coming here. We've known 
him for, I don't know, 25 years, 30 years. He's a prolific author, and he's, he wrote this book in 2012. It's called Military Mentality. Great book. And I'm going to read the, the, the first chapter. It's, it's, it's short. So I want you to listen. And it's entitled, Discovering the Complete Jesus. The Complete Jesus. It says, The Bible reveals a side to our Lord's character that many Christians know nothing about, and it has everything to do with the tough times we face. If you live in the Western Hemisphere, which includes the United States, then it's likely that you've been given a very incomplete picture of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've overcome this deficit through your own study. But to do so, he had to overcome cultural and religious trends developed over the last hundred years or so. Sadly, any incomplete picture of Jesus Christ also tends to be a very inaccurate one. Worst of all, through this inaccuracy, I believe many Christians have failed to see the Lord for who he really is. Why is this so important? Jesus warned that in the last days, global fear would run, run rampant, and men's hearts would fail them because of their fear over what they would see and dread for the future. Now, this is ten years ago. This is prophetic. What are we living now? Doesn't it seem clear that we really need to know the side of, know the side of Jesus rarely preached about? What do we not know about the Son of God as He is revealed repeatedly in the Bible? If we're actually living in the last days when global fear is ravaging cultures and nations, wouldn't you want to know that in the final book of the Bible, it tells us Jesus makes war? Now, I, he quotes Revelation 19. Now, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should strike the nations, and he himself would rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He goes on, he says, it seems obvious that the first verse in this Bible passage is Prophetic picture, it's a prophetic picture of events yet to come. Perhaps you notice that the Jesus pictured in God's book is not the political, politically correct, passive, and gentle Jesus we've been taught for about most of the year, of, most of the years. There you go. Now I grew up, my grandma and grandpa, they were Lutheran as can be. I'm not here again, I'm not against the Lutherans. But how many Lutherans had pictures like that? Amen? And so do the Methodists, so do the Catholics. A lot of denominations. And, and that's, that's, I don't know. I like to think in my Jesus leaning on a rock praying. Well, let me go on. Take that down now, would you please? Get ready to put the other one up. He says, uh, God gives a clear hint that he... 
that he is more than we think he is through the many names he gives himself throughout the Old and New Testaments. Notice that you're seeing something more than the Psalm 23 God in this passage. This is the Lord of war. He's on the offensive. He's on the attack. He's the one taking the war to our enemies. This is a different side to our Lord's character. Many Christians know nothing about it. In John's apocalyptic or end time vision, the eyes of Jesus are like Flames of fire. This is intense. This is the kind of war face that intimidates people and demons and make them back up in fear. Okay. There you go. Would you rather serve the other one or that one? Do you want the other one on a white horse or would you rather have that one on a white horse? Bobby and I want that one, don't we, Bobby? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Thank you. Somehow this isn't the picture of that sweet, kind, patient, and all-engrossing, gentle Jesus we've been seeing displayed on the walls in our Sunday school classes. That's the Methodist. Yes, the Lord Jesus has all these attributes, but it's time to let Him out of our tiny God box. He is bigger, greater, and more varied than we could ever imagine. John reveals that Jesus also has this, get out of my way or I'll run you over. My wife has that one. And I have that one too. That get out of my way or I'll run you over look that causes you to get out of his way or just flat out run the other way. The Son of God reserves this look exclusively for his enemies. John steps even further past the politically correct line to tell us Jesus was wearing a robe dipped in blood. This is Mike Key's humor. I have no idea whose blood is on the garments, but it belongs to somebody. Now, this, this kind of message is just uh, religious demons hate. He says, imagine how unnerving it would be if your pastor or a well-known and highly respected minister stepped up to the pulpit to deliver a message while wearing a suit or dress dipped in somebody's blood. Get ready. This is how Jesus is going to war, my friend. He's wearing clothing dipped in blood. Then we learn that Jesus leads all of us into battle riding white horses. Can you picture all of this in your mind? Your Lord Jesus suddenly appears with eyes aflame like fire, wearing clothes dipped in blood. Then he stirs us up into a military frenzy and leads us into battle on white horses. Mel Gibson style. I can follow that. Think of those Hollywood war movies where the hero leads his troops into a charge across the battlefield, screaming and shouting at the enemy. Well, John tells us this is all of that plus a whole lot more. Best of all, you and, our, you and I are right in the middle of the action. He says, my favorite picture of Jesus is in Revelation 19.15 where Jesus tells us a sharp sword is coming out of our Lord's mouth and He uses that sword to strike down the nations. Paul tells us this sword is a double-edged sword that cuts both ways, and he identifies it as the Holy Word of God. Notice again when our Jesus does what he does with that sword. He strikes the nations with it. He conquers and subdues them. He rules them with a rod of iron. That means the ironclad rule of total dictatorship. He will have no tolerance for disobedience whatsoever. Jesus rules with an iron fist. We aren't even sure if we think this is politically correct. Why would Jesus Christ want the world to know that if anyone crossed him or showed the slightest display of irreverence or lack of loyalty, that he'd crush them instantly? It is because the world of the last days needs to see this side of Jesus. And Mike Key says, I love it. Can't you just hear him? 
You don't have to be a prophet to know the enemy of your souls. The devil is on the loose worldwide. He deceives multitudes with his lies, deception, and the spirit of compromise. Listen, people need to discover that the Jesus who doesn't back up or back down concerning the truth. The people you see at work, at school, and in the house or apartment next door need to see Jesus large within you. You're the God's best communication tool. Anointed to help them understand how to serve Christ is to serve the most loving and most powerful, awesome, and intimidating individual ever to walk the earth. Then he quotes Exodus 15. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and its rider. He's thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He's become my salvation. He's my God. I will praise Him. My Father's God and I'll exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. We used to sing the words from... I'm just thinking with, with Biden. When he was being interviewed or he's giving him... He talked about Hamas and he called him the other team. Don't, don't, don't be concerned. This could be all right. His days are numbered. You reap what you sow. Amen? It says, if the Lord Jesus is a man of war, then we may accurately say that Jesus is also the Lord of war or the ultimate warlord. Yes, that's right. Our beloved Jesus, the one whom John the Baptist called the Lamb of God, also has another role. One of the 24 elders in Revelation 5 gave us a startling hint. He told the weeping apostle John, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed. Yes, the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world began as the gentle, soothing, and comforting Son of God is also the lion who wins. He is truly the ultimate warlord, our holy Lord of war. Do you think of him that way? Do you see Jesus in full battle array with his sword in hand, mounting a majestic white horse to lead us into the battlefield? If you don't, then you need to. This warlike picture of Jesus is just as crucial as all of his other portraits in God's Word. He says, how has Jesus been portrayed to you? In America especially, we've done a great disservice to the Christian and unbelievers alike by painting a very incomplete and inaccurate picture of Jesus. Take a fresh look at the way we design, decorate, or even administer our churches in North America. You'll probably notice a definite slant towards femininity. Now he's getting into trouble. but It shows up in the words, music, and performance style of our songs. It seems to me there's often a distinctly feminine feel to most of them. No, I'm not picking on women, so just relax, ladies. Many modern preachers and pastors tailor their messages and ministry primarily for women. Taken to this extreme, it often creates incomplete mental image of Jesus in people's minds. I'm simply stating the obvious. If you have eyes to see the obvious, that is. There's nothing wrong with tailoring decor, ministry style, or outreach emphasis to women. But if it produced an incomplete understanding of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then it can drastically affect the way we live our lives in the world. While obvious exceptions to this trend exist in the church world, they aren't that many. 
There aren't that many. The church today desperately needs to discover the Jesus described in passages, such as those we've quoted from Exodus and Revelation. Time as we know it does not go on forever. In the end times described in God's Word, the Messiah who is a God of war takes His place front and center on history stage. This is why Jesus is referred to as the Lord of war in various ways throughout the New Testament. Yes, Jesus is kind, gentle, patient, understanding, and easily touched with the feeling of our infirmities. All that is true. However, the Bible also reveals that when the time comes to take care of God's enemies once and for all, then Jesus Christ is also the wild war fanatic who's fearless in battle, who takes no prisoners and accepts no ceasefire or truce. Make no mistake, when our Lord goes to war, He goes to war to win. If you want to be of any use to the master in today's end-time warfare, then you too must develop that same kind of mentality. This is not an option. It's an absolute requirement. Now, I could have read this to a lot of people from different backgrounds, and they'd throw tomatoes at me. They'd be offended. They'd write nasty letters. But I'm hoping... You, the remnant church, get it. Now, I'm going to stop there. But I'm going to give you a definition, a real simple definition, of the word army. Are you listening? Men and women, organized and disciplined in battle. It's that simple. Men and women organized and disciplined in battle. Why did I end with that? Because you and I need to get more organized. You and I need to get more disciplined. How many, of, how many Christians, if they had to go through marine boot camp, would make it, Ron, today, these young ones? <laughs> No, they wouldn't. We're in, a, we're in a boot camp right now. And I'm mustering the troops. Get ready. What's that? Marshal the forces. That's right. That's what God spoke to me a couple of years ago. I was sitting in the back in the dark and praying in the morning. And the Spirit of God said, Marshal the forces. That's what I'm trying to do. Let's stand our feet this morning. Say, I'm a member of the Lord's army. And I ain't no wimp. I know that's not good English, but... I'm glad. I know a lot of you... Yeah. Is there a fly or are you just waving at me? Um, I just wanted to let everybody know your sermon today is so right on. Especially this month in October. Um, with Halloween. What I used to do was I would go around Clearwater and pray all the month in October. And that just reminded me, I need to start doing that in Northville. Oh. So I would like to challenge everybody this week and even to the end of October, go around your neighborhoods and pray. Plead blood. Yeah. Plead the blood. We sang about it. Yeah. Over the, yeah. the kids and the neighborhood. And we, I'll never forget this. 
when we were just here, we weren't here very long, and we were dealing with witchcraft. See, some of you young ones haven't even dealt with that. It's, it's not a good, good spirit. And I'll never forget because they had Halloween was coming and people all shook up and there was a blizzard. Remember that? It was the year of Caleb. Well, that's typical. Caleb, <laughs> wild blizzard. But the blizzard stopped everything. Amen? That's, that's God. So that's right. We've got to use, be, be a warrior. Pray. Pray for your schools. Pray for the teachers. Pray for these businessmen downtown. Pray for your neighborhoods. Pray for the other churches and the preachers. That they'll enter the battle. Amen. Father, I thank you today. These are people that discern and recognize they're in a battle. And we're supposed to fight the good fight of faith. We're not supposed to retreat in defeat. But we're supposed to advance in victory. And be victory minded. And so, Father, I thank you for the anointing and your grace and mercy upon everyone here today that we will in the days ahead pray, declare, and decree a thing, and it shall be established for us, and light will be the result. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for the anointing today to fight the spiritual battles that we're entering into in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. What are your boards for? Okay, you're gonna, she gotta take boards. So, Father, we pray for Kinsey today. Bless her, Lord, all the studying that she's done. Holy Spirit, bring to her remembrance all the things that she needs to know to pass these boards in this test. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I feel like getting a sword and cutting people. No. I want to get on a train to Washington, D.C., go to Congress. Amen. We can do that. The word is the sword. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. We'll see you next time.